the whole point of being healthy is to live a vibrant and filled life doing things you love. It's not just to be healthy. That's never the end point. So I think once you learn what it is people really want to do with their lives and you can tie it to that, they start to realize what they're really working for. And if it's worth it to them, they'll do it. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. In today's episode, you'll meet Shelley Rose, a natural food chef and one of my favorite people on this earth. In my humble opinion, Shelley is a gift to humanity. Because she is deeply invested in helping others, irrespective of age, background, and lifestyle, to lead a healthier life. In this conversation, we talk about sleep, nutrition, staying hydrated, and taking good care of our nervous system, which I think we could all use some advice on. Shelly also shares how she's moving her body regularly, what she does to prepare her body for aging, and how we can integrate healthier habits into our day-to-day life. Rest assured, we don't talk about raw kale or celery juice. Shelly does in fact enjoy a pastry and the occasional treat like we all do. She's human after all. Let's hear it from Shelly. This is a bit of a trick question because I used to live in Richmond. This is where we met each other and became friends. But if we were to come to your community for the first time, where would you take us so we could get a sense for what your city is all about? Oh, gosh. Well, I love Richmond. It's just the perfect mid-sized city with a river running through it, as you know. Um, I would certainly take us to hike around the loop around the city so you can do North Bank Trail um, and sit on the Belle Isle Rocks. Um, usually I'd pack something for a picnic and sit on the rocks, maybe take a bike ride to get there. Um, we'd go, certainly go to Sub Rosa Bakery in Churchill and grab some of the best uh, wood-fired mm. pastries you can find in all the land, yep. in my opinion. Um, gosh, yeah, and get coffee there or coffee at Recluse Roasters. Um, we have amazing coffee here, so that's pretty easy to do. Um, Annika, I'd probably point them to your website that has all this information about Richmond because I think you've got a yes. good list too. So, <laughs> Yeah, so much good food. Perfect segue because um, <laughs> one of the reasons and, and one of the main reasons I wanted you on this show is that I think much like workout and health and fitness, I think nutrition, diet is a very contentious topic for a lot of people because there are so many opinions on what makes healthy living, healthy eating. And here you are, a nutritionist and natural foods chef talking about eating croissant and drinking coffee and enjoying all the good things in life, which I love. Um, I met you in right around 2016, I want to say maybe five, six years ago as part of a workout group that we mm-hmm. both went to <laughs> and it all, it all took off from there. And I think one of our first friend dates we had was actually cooking in my kitchen and making some kind of healthy snacks, power balls, and nut mix or something, Mm -hmm. which is when I knew that we were on the same wavelength. But I know that your life wasn't always 
that life of a very healthy person who was cooking whole foods and spending a lot of time in her kitchen. Can you take us back to that time when you realized the role that food plays in your health and in your life? What was life like before you made that transition towards healthier living, cooking, eating, moving your body, so on and so forth? Oh, yeah. Well, it was significantly different. We'll say that. I mean, I grew up being a very picky kid, so I only ate maybe five things like chicken nuggets, potatoes, rice, maybe green beans from a can and cereal. Like this this was not a a diet to really to talk about. And so, but I also grew up with a lot of stomach problems and then my skin was always I had acne and all these things too. So I didn't know. I think the biggest thing is that I just didn't know that what I was what I was eating, how I was eating, sleeping, or what I was not eating, moving or not moving. I, I didn't know all of that impacted how I feel and my health. I didn't know, which which seems so silly now in hindsight because it seems totally obvious. But one of the things I realize every day now when I talk to people is that we're not taught this. We're just not taught this at all. So we we've lost mm-hmm. connection our, with ourselves to what we're doing. Like a lot of people still come to me today and I get and say, I'm, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. And they're like, you know, wanting caffeine and they're wanting all these things. I'm like, how much sleep are you getting? And they're like, oh, oh, well I don't. And I'm like, why don't we start there? <laughs> you know? So it's just not, it's, you know, not rocket science to realize if you're tired, then the first place to start is probably sleep. Like going to bed at, you know, at a decent hour, like 10 at, at 10 PM and getting eight, giving yourself an eight hour sleep opportunity, for example. So yeah, I think I started to realize it was probably around 24 years old. I, I found I stumbled on the eat right for your blood type diet, actually. That's one of the things that tipped me over. And I realized that I don't do well eating dairy and grains and all this sweet stuff and, and any of that. I do really well on a like protein, vegetable-rich diet. And then when I ate that way, I felt amazing. I My workouts were better. I had lost the stubborn weight that was on my, I, my digestion. Digestion got better. My skin cleared up. And so I had no idea all that was so connected and I felt great. I started making stir fries. That was, that was the game changer because I hadn't, I didn't have a salad until I was like 21. So eating greens was foreign to me, which is hard to imagine now. <laughs> no judgment, no judgment. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a that was a big shift when I, I had this awareness that what I was eating and how I was living impacted my quality of life. And once I realized that, it changed everything. I it set me on the path to find naturopathic nutrition that I found today, a holistic approach. That's what I mean when I say that. And it set me on the path to leave my corporate job and go across country to Seattle. It was the best school in the country for what I wanted to learn. And it was it was such a big aha moment that it I just, I could not go and learn more about it. So that's where it started. Tell us about your life today. So you're not, you're not filling up on chicken nuggets and mac and cheese anymore. (laughs) What is your, what is your lifestyle like today compared to what it was when you were 24? Well, I learned to cook foods in a way that makes them taste good. I think a lot of times people don't eat vegetables because they don't, they're too mushy or they're eating curly kale from a salad bar. Um, so I think you just, I learned how to cook vegetables. I learned how to season them with good fats, like butter and olive oil and sea salt. I learned how to make things taste good and I tried them differently. And I discovered I actually liked more foods than I realized. And so I expanded my palate of what to eat. And so, yeah, what's different is I eat almost anything now, except for raw onions. That's the one thing I, I can't get into. 
I wish I want to love them. They're so good for you, but I can't do those. But I pretty much eat anything now. So I eat much more colorfully. I know how to eat a balanced meal so that I my my blood sugar doesn't crash in the middle of the day. I know what my food intolerance is so that I don't have my skin breaking out. I, I know what foods make me bloated and uncomfortable. So I know how to avoid those. I know what foods give me really bad headaches, which is a lot of sugar. Knowing that connection to what makes me feel a certain way, I can decide, is it worth it or not? And sometimes I decide I'm going to have that chocolate pastry at Sabrosa. And maybe it's half of one, and I just eat a really balanced meal around that, and then I feel great, and it all balances the force. But I, I certainly cannot start the day with a cup of coffee and like something sweet to eat or a bowl of cereal. That'll never happen. Nor do I want to. I know how good I can feel when I have a good breakfast with like we'll call this, this is like a classic Annika breakfast. So some eggs, some avocado, some fresh berries, maybe some smoked salmon, um, like a piece of toast or sourdough bread. But the idea of good protein, healthy fat, a colorful plate, like I, I know that now how good I feel. And when I see that, I associate that with feeling good. And if I see a big pile of pancakes with whipped cream and chocolate chips, that's a gut bomb. And I just, I don't even, doesn't even entice me. What I appreciate about how you approach nutrition and wellness is certainly the focus is on food, but as you lift your, and you guys can't see this, but as you lift your gallon size water bottle, <laughs> <laughs> I know that you also um, focus on other things that mm -hmm. sort of round out the well-being of any human. Can you speak a little bit more about some of the other practices that You don't even consider practices anymore, I bet, because they're just part of your daily life. But what else do you do to look after yourself and take care of yourself? Yeah, that's such a good point. That was the, I'm glad you mentioned that. That was the other thing that shifted too, is it wasn't just nutrition. It was lifestyle. It's so many things that we don't always think about. And so I was terrible at staying hydrated. So yes, now I carry around this giant gallon size. Um, I get made fun <laughs> of for this all the time, but I just own it because it keeps me hydrated. It's the one way I can stay, you know, I... I stay on top of it. So water intake, sleep to me is king. I, I don't negotiate my sleep with anybody. I'm like, you're, I know you're like that too, Annika. You're more of an early bird than yep. I am. But I prioritize sleep above all else. And if I have people I'm working with who are trying to do it all, we're, you know, we're trying to exercise, we're trying to be with family and loved ones, we're trying to cook, and, and it's so hard to do it all. But if the one place I start with is sleep. Because if you don't get sleep, the rest are so much harder to do. If you have to pick one thing to get it right and your sleep is just not there, start there. And so I, I realized that sleep is just a non-negotiable thing for me. As I mentioned earlier, I always try to give myself an eight-hour sleep opportunity. I try to be consistent with when I go to bed and wake up so my body has rhythm. It knows what to expect. Doing that sets the, helps our nervous system just stay calmer and know what to expect in the day versus being, you know, just tossed around with the wind of the day. So I think that creates a really strong foundation for just health in general. I couldn't agree more because when I don't sleep well, or especially when there's really stressful times, I will wake up in the middle mm -hmm. of the night and I just wake up a zombie. Mm -hmm. And don't you dare look at me that day. <laughs> don't you dare poke me or try to talk to me. It's I can't function Because when sleep is disrupted, mm -hmm. it throws everything else off. And you mentioned something that I think we don't talk a lot about, which is the impact of sleep and, and physical well-being on your nervous system. Mm -hmm. I don't think people are aware. And even I, I'm 36 now, I'm still learning mm -hmm. this connection between external factors, my well-being and my nervous system. Can you talk a little bit more about 
why we need our to, why we need to pay more attention to our nervous system in times like these? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Now more than ever, we live in a world that is harder to live in. There are more things we're trying to cope with that we don't have the structure or framework to cope with, right? Like none of us had experiences with a pandemic. So we are in times where we just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. I will say too, that the two biggest things that I, that I spend time with, with all of my one-on-one clients, like one of them is, you know, balancing blood sugar and energy levels. But the second one is this topic specifically. I'm always looking to help regulate people's nervous systems because if your nervous system is regulated, you're, you're in that rest and digest mode, right? So if you're doing all this good work to eat healthy foods, but then you're constantly stressed and up here, you're not going to digest it, assimilate it, or benefit from it as much as you, you would if you're in a more calm state. You're not going to sleep as you just described too. Sleep is where all the healing happens. I feel like it's where all the magic happens. That's where our hormones balance. That's where our social, emotional well-being is just nurtured and kept. That's where all of the, the the plaques and things in our brains get cleansed out that prevent us from things like Alzheimer's. So you've got to have sleep to regulate everything. So I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but I'll say that it, it just allows us to not be at a, con- a constant heightened state, which I think many of us are in. And so when this, if you're constantly in a heightened state, I, I know when I'm like this, because if the toaster pops, I, I jump out of my skin like 10 feet and I'm like, wow, I am clearly <laughs> up here right now because that shouldn't have done that. And it's, that's one of my warnings. That's, that's how I know when I'm elevated. It's like, I move so fast. I bump into something or I, I hit my head on the bathroom cabinet or I knock something over. I'm like, I need to calm down. I am clearly wound up. And so I think those are the, it's catching ourselves in those moments and realizing that I am up here and I'm already elevated. So anything on top of this is magnified and I may not be as, as able to help handle it. Our resilience is not as good, right? So if I help people to regulate their nervous systems and calm down. Some of the first thing, the first thing to do is just be aware of it, to catch yourself in these moments when the toaster scares you. <laughs> um, it's to recognize you're snapping at somebody and maybe you reacted mm-hmm. out of proportion for what was really going on. It's realizing that um, you're just not getting enough. You're not getting sleep. You're tired all the time. And so you don't have time to eat a meal. And so your blood sugars crash because you haven't eaten in seven hours. And so I, so awareness is the first thing is just notice when you're doing it. Um, and then you find the things that are most important for you. So I, that's where I come in is I can look at someone's health picture, the whole picture and say, based on you and your, your lifestyle, the biggest thing you need to focus on right now is your sleep, or you need to get outside every day for 30 minutes and just walk with nobody, no input in your ear, nobody asking you anything. You need time to yourself. So I often have people carve out time just for themselves. Like I'll call it Annika time. And I'll say, I had, I had one of my clients the other week. She said, I really like to sit on my workout bike and watch trash TV. She goes, and let's be real. I'm not really working out. I might be kind of pedaling a little bit. And I was like, that's perfect. You Let's put that down on your list of things for you to do. You, you need to do that a few times a week to just come back to yeah. yourself and come home. And so, and this is, I put on there, it's like, non-judge, no judgment. You can spend this time however you want, doing whatever you want. Some people want to take a nap. Some people want to go work out, but sometimes people just need to take a break and watch some trash TV. And I don't care, whatever that is for you, carve it out and make time for it. So more often than not, people need to slow down and give themselves permission to do nothing. And so that's probably the first thing we can do is just 
slow the slow the roll, you know. In one of the earlier conversations in this season, I talked to David Hirsch, who experienced burnout, and he said his watch that was tracking his mm -hmm. heart rate, it looked as though he was in a constant car crash because he wow. was in constant fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And his blood pressure shut up. He had to go home from work. He, his his system was so out of balance that it was really hard for him to function as yeah. certainly as a worker, but I imagine also as a as a family man, as a father, as a friend, as a community member. And that's really incredibly hard. And so many people in season two and three have brought up how they're taking time for themselves. Mm -hmm. Trash TV comes up all the time <laughs> or really just sitting with their thoughts, which personally I find really scary and intimidating and I'd mm -hmm. rather check something else off my to-do list. But <laughs> I know that we all benefit from taking some time, ideally without screens, but again, no judgment, just something yeah. to give our minds a rest. Hello. I wanted to pop in here real quick to remind you that this podcast is an ecosystem. And the best part, you can become part of it. You can listen, share it with the people in your life who need to hear what we're talking about, and you can engage in the conversation. What are you taking away from today's episode? What resonates? What do I need to know as we move through this season together? I would love to hear from you. Head over to speakpipe.com slash burnbothends and share what's on your mind. And with any luck, we'll hear from you in the final episode of this season. And now back to the show. Talk to us a little bit more about your routine around moving your body. You mm -hmm. are a super active person and you do so many different things. It's not like you do this one thing and then you stick with it for life. I feel like you have this beautiful buffet of options <laughs> of how you choose your body depending on the season, depending on whether you have some kind of event coming up, like a, like a race or mm -hmm. some kind of adventure. How do you think about moving your body and, and what does that look like in, in practice? Yeah. So movement is definitely a part of that whole picture for sure. And so it, it changes with the seasons, right? Like what I do in the winter is going to be different in the summer. So I'll say that it, it takes, it's important to take a moment to pause. And if a, if a workout routine isn't working to say, wait, why isn't that working? What do I need to do? Is it not fun anymore? Is it hard to get to? Yeah. Do I not have a buddy? Like, yeah. So I think it, it changes because it'll fall apart. I think if I don't adjust to what I need at the time. I do at the very minimum, make sure I get outside every single day and at least for 15 minutes. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but there are days where it's very easy to be cooped up and stuck to your computer all mm -hmm. freaking day. So I, I do make sure I build in time. If I have a meeting where I can have a phone call, I go outside and walk for that call. Sometimes I do walking lunges as long as I'm not like panting on the phone. I think that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that has happened before. People, Some people don't mind. It gives them permission to do the same, actually. Whenever I have those walking meetings, the person I talk to is always walking too, and it gives us both a break. So I like that. Um, I often do a little bit of yoga once or twice a week, yoga and stretching. I like I like a power vinyasa series because you sync your breath with movement. And kind of tied to what we were saying before about your nervous system, breathing is the number one way to tune down your nervous system. That's why meditation and breath work is so powerful. It's the built-in tool we have to calm ourselves down and bring our nervous system down. So I would say anything that helps you breathe. So if it's a little bit of meditation before, and so yoga helps me just to breathe more deeply on purpose. So I love it for that. Um, I love to ride my bike. So sometimes I'll, I'll just go for a bike ride to the river, as I mentioned. I will say too, 
I, I do like to do a little bit of running, trail running. And so running can be super boring to me. So I'll usually like choose my adventure style running. I'm like, those stairs look cool. Go over there or go here. So I have to keep it interesting so I don't get burnt out on it. Um, but that lately I'll have to say, I have to say that when I turned 40 in February, it was very, I'm very aware of the fact that you gain fat more than you gain muscle. It's not as easy as it used to be. So I have very intentionally incorporated more strength training in my workouts three days a week. And so I'm, you know, I'm warming up on the rower. I am at the gym a little more. And so I do have three days a week where I am very purposefully lifting weights and strengthening because I think that's incredibly important. So everything else, that's the baseline. Everything else, I, I just tuck in wherever it's a beautiful day. I'll go for a run or I'll do yoga depending on what I need. But that's my foundation right now. And we talked about this not long ago about just how doing strength and cardio training and keeping your body somewhat limber. Mm -hmm really helps us as we age, which I hate to think about in my mid thirties, but the <laughs> truth is we're all getting older. Mm -hmm. And I think as our body adjusts, really, you know, we're all going to get sick at some point, mm -hmm. but putting ourselves in the best possible position when sickness hits. Absolutely. That's right. Is a good recipe to make sure that we are somewhat well-prepared and have healthy bodies. There's so many ways I want to go from here. So how much time do you spend on being healthy per day or per week? If I think about yeah. meal prepping and planning and shopping and cooking and mindfulness and running and biking and mm -hmm. drinking water and sleeping, like, wow. I don't know that we all make it such a priority. How much time does that realistically take up? And what are some of the ways where you know you want to improve or you, you still want to make some progress in, in a right direction? Yeah, that's such a good question because it can totally be a full-time job just trying to stay healthy if you're always staying up yeah. to date with the hacks and all these things. And we we cannot do it all. And I don't think that's how we're meant to live anyway. I know myself, like I, I know where I can flex and where I can't. I, I have I had a major surgery years ago where I had an adrenal gland taken out because of the amount of stress I was under in my life, which was made me very aware of the need for healthy boundaries and having a good, mm -hmm. you know, having a schedule and a lifestyle that suited me. So Here's the thing. You you can't cram in all these healthy things. You probably have to adjust your life to make room for them. Sometimes we need some serious lifestyle adjustments. So I'll say that. I know that's not possible for everyone, but I want to say that if you're seriously in a stressed out position in a job you hate, it's really worthwhile for your big picture to pause and decide, do I need to take a major shift to reclaim my life and my health? Because a lot of people retire and their health falls apart the moment that they, it's like the body was just holding on tight. And then when they finally had the letdown effect, they have heart attacks or things happen because they just have been up here in that heightened state the whole time. So I would say that create a lifestyle as best you can that supports the life you want to live. And if you're a person who wants to live, you know, a vibrant, healthy life, it means that you honor your bedtimes. It means that, um, maybe you just chop up vegetables at the beginning of the week to help yourself out with meal prep, give yourself permission yeah. to eat. Out. I mean, I'll eat out at healthier places. I, I don't get to home cook as much as I want. That's one area where I have, it's weird being, that's obviously my field nutrition and I'm trained in cooking. And it's the one area I don't get to do as much of. And when I feel myself getting overwhelmed and I take a Saturday, a few hours to just do what I want, I'm probably making like a soup or something like it. That's what I get to do when I need a break. It's what I wish I had yeah. more time to do and I just don't. So I rely on things like daily harvest frozen meals sometimes and I add my own stuff to that. 
Um, so I don't get to home cook as much as I want, but for me, I can, I can sort of wing those things a little more cause I know how to. So I yeah. focus on sleep and movement and getting outside for you. You decide what that means for you. Maybe you getting exercise Annika is a big outlet for you personally. So that's non-negotiable, yeah. right? So you can't do it all. And then you, you evaluate the season you're in right now. Like I'm going to school in the fall and I know something's going to have to give and I'm going to have to adjust my schedule. I'm going to have to stop doing things and ask for help with things. I cannot cram school into that, right? So I'm going to have to figure out how to do it all. Something's going to give. And it may be, maybe I rely on more meals from Sun Basket meal delivery if I can, or eating beans and rice, you know? So you just adjust with the season you're in, but do take the time to stop and see what you need, you know? I think it's super important to at least be intentional about where you want to make a difference, which Mm -hmm. I have two questions I want to ask you here. Number one, You've recently stepped from being single to being part of a really beautiful family, but Mm -hmm. it's always so hard. I think making a change in your own lifestyle is one thing, but having people around you that you interact with, that you spend a lot of time with can make that so much harder. Mm -hmm. How do you convince a 14-year-old to eat kale for the first time, to try, I don't know, (laughs) like whatever crazy healthy food they may not have been exposed to, or even, you know a partner, or even Mm -hmm. if you start taking care of someone else, how do you bring other people into this fold? And how do you Mm -hmm. carve out a lifestyle for yourself that also fits in with the needs of those around you? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. There's a couple of things in there. Let's say teenagers, which I have in my life. First of all, I, I do not in any way take away foods they already eat and enjoy. I only add in And that's my philosophy with anybody, not just teenagers, but I add in the good. So I would rather crowd out with good things, but they don't yet know about like going to Dunkin' Donuts, a donut and um, a big sweet drink. It might make you feel good in the moment, but that in no way is going to be a good meal for your day. Like, so I'm starting to teach them to think about protein in their meals. And that way, at least if they are eating more sugary things, they can balance that blood sugar spike and crash a little more teaching in little ways, but not being overbearing um, and not taking away things. And so I've even bought them healthier gummy bears, if that's a thing, like that doesn't have all the dyes and weird sugar in it. I'm like, you know, if you're going to eat them, let me just make sure you're not getting the crappier ingredient ones. (laughs) And so um, I think the biggest thing is just making good food more available. So when there's dinner, they know there's color on the plate. They know there's fresh fruit. They know there's there's broccoli and veggies. They know there's... um, Usually there's fresh fruit and veggies cut up all the time, just put out on the counter because it, when it's avail- easily available, they just annihilate it. And then I ask them, I say, you know, what, I'm going grocery shopping. What would you like? What are your favorite veggies? And I make, yeah. sure, I make sure I get those. That's something I really took away from the programs that you run is hide the bad stuff. Don't even bring it into your house and make the good stuff super visible and Mm -hmm. easy to consume. Even if it means make sure all of your fruit and vegetable are washed or they're cut up and they're just sitting in the fridge waiting for you. That makes a big difference. And I remember I brought Victoria over for dinner a while ago and you had bought mac and cheese for her, (laughs) but you made sure it was organic, clean mac and cheese rather than the processed stuff that is gooey (laughs) and orange and doesn't even resemble food. So I like that. And I will say I learned from you how to cook. And even my husband, who didn't used to be a huge vegetable fan, says, Mm -hmm. this tastes way too good to be healthy. (laughs) It's just tasty. I didn't know I liked kale. I didn't know I liked spinach until 
you know, I learned from you how to prepare mm-hmm. food, healthy food that actually has flavor and isn't bland or tastes like paper. So I think that's really important. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you is if people are listening, and I think many of us have an inkling for what we could or feel like we should do better in our lives in terms of lifestyle, and they're like, okay, like I think this happens a lot around New Year's, for example, is, okay, I'm going to make a list. Here's what I'm going to do for sleep. Here's what I'm going to do for movement. Here's what I'm going to do for food. And we have this big list that we feel super excited about and things mm-hmm. we're going to change starting tomorrow. And then we stick to the plan for what? two days, five (laughs) days, maybe a week, Mm -hmm. and then it all goes to shit, right? How do you work with clients? How do you help clients through that overwhelm? And how do you help them build a practice or a lifestyle that actually sticks Mm -hmm. and isn't too intimidating? Because let's be real. I mean, it's a lifestyle for a reason because we've grown into those habits over decades and changing some of those that I think are often tied to our psychology. I'm thinking comfort food and stress eating and all that stuff. That's so hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. How do you work with your clients? How do you help them make those more sustainable transitions that stick? Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question because the class you're talking about, the guided sugar cleanse class that I do, once you do that, then what? Then what afterwards, right? How mm-hmm. do you maintain that? And so for individuals, I really, I really take the time to get to know the individual to figure out their lifestyle. Like I'll ask them, walk me through a day in the life. What's going on? Like if someone has got small children, they're not sleeping, I'm not gonna ask them to cook a bunch of homemade meals, right? Like yeah. I if I have someone who hates cooking, then that's gonna be difficult, right? So I will yeah. find them. I've had a, a bachelor guy who's like, look, I, I'm not going to cook. I did a grocery store tour with him where we found the healthiest frozen foods possible. So I think it's really important to know where people are and meet them there, first of all. Find out what, what motivates people as well. And so one of my clients is a 17-year-old type 1 diabetic, and he's really into lifting in the gym right now. And so I know that if I want him to make changes and really stick to it, if I can tie it to what he really, what his goals are. So you find out what people's real goals are. And the goal isn't to just, I want to be healthier, not be in pain. The goal is to, I'm thinking of another client. Her goal was to be able to hike and with her son and her grandkids when she goes out to California. That's a real goal to me. The goal is not, I don't want to be in pain and whatever. It's, it's, what do I want to do with my life? The whole point of being healthy is to live a vibrant and filled life, doing things you love. It's not just to be healthy. That's never the end point. So I think once you learn what it is people really want to do with their lives and you can tie it to that, they start to realize what they're really working for. And if it's worth it to them, they'll, they'll do it. Um, so that's part of it. The other part is not biting off more than you can chew. I think sometimes we set a goal that's just far too high and we set ourselves up to fail. So I often start very, very small. So if I want someone to go to sleep earlier and they're going to bed at one, one in the morning right now, I don't tell them to start going to bed at 10 right away. That's yeah. crazy. That's such a huge shift. So I will start with, all right, for the next week, why don't you go to bed 15 minutes earlier and mm-hmm. cut your screens out an hour before to help yourself do that, right? So you you ease your way in so that the change isn't so huge that it feels like you just can't do it. You make it so easy that people can crush it. Like if you tell someone to work out for an hour a day, that's too much. But if you tell them to do 10 push-ups, right, they probably can do yeah. that even on their knees. So you you do goals people can crush so that they immediately start to feel like I can do this. I'm already, I already have momentum. And then the reward center in your brain is triggered. It's like, I do this and I'm crushing my goals. I feel amazing. I'm going to keep going. And so 
yeah, I think it's starting small and making sure it's manageable and doing doable and building it up and making sure they're having fun doing it. Like there's got to be something you like or you're not going to want to. Shelly, you have this all figured out from where I'm sitting. It's <laughs> great to see as a friend who looks up to you. But say you find yourself on Thursday afternoon, super tired, exhausted, because life mm-hmm. is never the same. And you still have a day and a half full of work and meetings and commitments you made. When you start that overwhelm and you realize, oh, mm-hmm. crap, I I just didn't plan this well. What is your first line of defense? What is your go-to to make sure you're not burning the candle on both ends? Yeah, probably a couple things. I mean, well, for one is very logistics oriented. I, I get it out of my head and I write down a list of everything I need to do and I put it in order of priority because the only thing yeah. that lifts my overwhelm is getting it done. And sometimes I do the, the whole Pomodoro thing where I set a timer for 20 minutes and I'm like, I'm going to focus and tackle this for 20 minutes and just make movement on it so I feel better. So sometimes I get that you just got to get work done. You can't just go meditate for half an hour. Like you've got to crank through things. Um, sometimes I just have to stop completely in my tracks and just like calm down. And, and one practice I have, for example, is I just, I know I have to like listen and get back in my body. So those can't see me on video, but I usually have like one hand on my chest, like on my heart and one on my lower belly. And I just breathe and I do nothing else but feel myself breathe. And I'll breathe like I have nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. So I'm not rushing through it and just stop and see like, what do I need right now? Sometimes I need a nap. Sometimes I need to go outside for a walk or I need to drink some water. Sometimes I need to call a friend. It's it's just stopping in your tracks to figure out what do I need most at this at this point. Do I, do I need to eat because I've been going for 11 hours? And so it's just checking in at that moment to see what you need. And I realize that that takes practice. Like we don't always immediately get the answer. And but we the practice of slowing down and listening is so powerful. And we do get better and better at it. It's different every time, right? It may not be one sure thing I go to. It's just the practice of slowing down to figure out what I need at that moment. Candice Delmain Rouge in her episode also talks about this. It's called a practice for a reason. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. wouldn't start running and, and run a marathon the next week. It's really something that we keep practicing, like a strengthening a muscle and getting used to trying to listen to ourselves and checking in with ourselves. Mm-hmm. As you are looking ahead, you already mentioned life is going to be a little bit different for you starting in the fall, yeah. which is super exciting between work and family and, you know, your role as a friend and you're going back to school. As you look towards the end of the year, what do you know needs to be in place for you to ensure you're not going to burn out in the first three months of this degree and and your life changing? What are some of those non-negotiables for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm working through that right now because I realize that I can't just cram in another thing into no way without something else falling apart. I was actually talking to my partner about this last week and thinking about how to do it. And he was saying like, you know, with your business, this is an area of your business you can scale back on. This is an area where you can do it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking on how to restructure my business services specifically so that I can handle this. Um, so that's one, I, I will literally have to restructure my business services to do it. I will yeah. have to update my website. So I'm not looking available for all these things. Um, I, I mean, I'm physically working that out right now. Um, so it, it may mean I have a tighter schedule. I, like I've already said, for example, I'm going to carve out Tuesday and Thursday evenings for school. Like I have school. So I, I probably have some flexibility around that, but just expect I won't be free in the evenings. So 
I've already started to set expectations with other people so that they don't expect things of me that they were used to getting because I'm yep. also a people pleaser. I know that about myself and I'm going to want to be able to do everything and all the things. And so I have to now set expectations with other people, which then gives me the permission to just have more space to do what I'm trying to do right now. How can people learn from you, work with you, soak up some of that goodness that we just <laughs> talked about and touched on? How, how can they engage with what you're doing? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Pure Roots Nutrition. So you can engage there. Um, I try to, I'm, I'm a little in and out because as I, as I kind of mentioned, some of the things that, that have to, I can't get it all done. Some of it's social media. And when I prioritize social media, goes way down the bottom of the list. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so you might hear, see some quiet spots for me and it's because I just need to not have screens in my face all the time. Um, but I'm on social media there. I have a newsletter. You can go to my website, purusnutrition.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. I might send something once a month. Um, I let people know when there's classes going on. Um, there's where, well, in July, there's a sugar cleanse class that will likely be another one in January. So that's a way to find out what's coming up. I have a sleep class that is on demand. You can purchase it if you want to really focus on sleep. Um, that's like a 70 minute class with a worksheet. You can just go buy now and watch right away. So that's available on my website. And then also um, uh, I do work with people one-on-one -on -one, and so I do corporate talks. So that information's on my website under services. So that's how people can get in touch and engage if they'd like to. Before we move on to the rapid fire round, everybody who's listening, like Shelly just said, head over to purerootsnutrition.com, check out her blog. There's a lot of really good stuff on there from how to cook grains to how to think about meal prep and, and get your sleep in order. So lots of stuff for you to uh, sort out and sort through. Um, you can connect with her on Instagram. And if you're fortunate, you can run into her in Richmond at some point and uh, various races that Shelly does every now and then. <laughs> okay. I want to move on to the rapid fire round in which I start a sentence and you get to finish it. Sounds good? Good. Let's go. Taking care of yourself means... Breathing and slowing down. Perfect. The one practice, habit, or routine that you want everybody else to know about? Oh, exactly what we just talked about. Slowing down to listen to yourself, cut out all the data and the input, and just get quiet. Lastly, what is one resource that has influenced you so much that you would recommend to other people? Oh, my goodness. I would say James Clear, Atomic Habits, his book, and uh, anything that this man wants to share with the world has been so helpful and applicable uh, for every yeah. area of life. So he's a fantastic resource. Wonderful. I'm going to make sure I put all of those things in the show <laughs> notes so people can check it out. Shelly, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us today. I am so excited to see what the fall brings for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Find out more about Shelly at purerootsnutrition.com and sign up for her newsletter. For daily insights without the latest diet hacks, find her on Instagram. And if you want to bring her services and expertise to your organization, reach out to her about her corporate services. I pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Tuscarora, Shokori, Soponi, Okanichi, Lumbee and Ino people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.